some basketball tidbits to throw out there is the fact that when you look at there are three games that were MIAC SWAC competition on the men's side, if you would. Um, the SWAC, the MIAC leads it two and one. In terms of neutral site game, it's one and one. Obviously, you have the Norfolk State win over Texas Southern. That was a campus game. You have a Hampton win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. But you have a Mississippi Valley State win over North Carolina A&T. MIAC has started some conference games. Uh, North Carolina Central is 6-3 and three overall. Some big-time conference wins there. They got two wins in conference to start out the season. One against Maryland Eastern Shore. And they played Howard in the Big Apple Classic. Played in uh, New York. Big game there. So they're doing well as they jump out 2-0 and in terms of the conference race. The other team that you want to look at is Delaware State. They had a big win over uh, Wake Forest out of the ACC. And then they did one back where they got a win over their rival in state. They had a win over Delaware this past Sunday. So they're doing some interesting things to look at what's going on there in terms of what's taking place. So MIAC looks like it's going to be a race. They say Hampton's going to be in the mix. SWAC is doing what they're doing, a little struggling. Jackson State has got a win in terms of non-conference. The other teams are struggling to get those wins. Uh, but those are ones that I think you want to keep your eye on in terms of what's taking place. On the women's side, had a couple of games. You have one to look forward to, FAMU, coming to Southern. Outside of that, you had Alabama State beating on Savannah State. Um, but you had uh, Alabama State losing to FAMU in terms of the women's side. So those are kind of the games that you want to look at. Tennessee State uh, lost the game to Norfolk State on the women's side. That's Tennessee State again of the OVC, but HBCU program at the Division I level. So that's kind of what I look at in terms of the programs. Until we get into some conference play, and you'll start getting your top ten in the mix. We'll do that in a couple of weeks as we get more into the conference play. Um, next week and the week after, again, look for the All-American players for football to come out, mid-major and major division. And those in Doc's top ten mid-major, major and mid-major basketball rankings will be available on the Houston Round Bar View website, HoustonRoundBarView.com, as well as www.thehrr.com. Yes, sir. Exactly. And to give some love to what I refer to as the mid-major, mostly in terms of the NCAA Division II, let's look at the CIAA and SIAC. I like some things they're doing. They've been playing some Classic matchups where they had one they actually call an SIEC CIAA matchup. Last year it was played in Atlanta in terms of Morehouse College. This year it was played in Charlotte on the campus of Johnson C. Smith. Johnson C. Smith came out of the tournament 2 0. They had Virginia Union pairing up out of the CIAA playing Morehouse and Tuskegee. Both these teams are picked, finished relatively high. Tuskegee did won the conference last year, Morehouse one or two years ago. So uh, Johnson Smith did a great job coming out of the game 2-0, and particularly fighting back in the second game to beat Morehouse uh, in terms of that. Uh, but Virginia Union struggling those two te- games going 0-2, meaning Morehouse and Tuskegee split 1-1. One one. Also another one to talk about is Virginia State and Virginia Union was the second game that was played, if you would, or the first game actually played in the Big Apple Classic. Virginia State won that game over Virginia Union. Uh, the other thing that comes up is they're having what they call the Big South Classic where you'll see Virginia State and Virginia traveling down to play Albany State and Morehouse down there in a classic over there. So I like that CIAA-SIC matchup, playing those games, sharing the history. I would love to see more of that uh, at the MEAC-SWAC level. Um, but uh, I guess I'll have to be the one to get it done if it's going to happen. 
Make it happen, Doc. Make it happen. I will work on it. I want to shift gears, and, and now I'm going to talk some local basketball. Especially, I want to give kudos to uh, HBU women's basketball player Shanice Steenholt. Once again, I put on, I, I tweeted this. You can follow. You can see the tweet at T H E H R Review. Once again, T H E H R Review, and the tweet is a link to Shanice being earning and being named the Southern Conference Player of the Week for the second time in this season. She helped lead HBU to a solid road win over UTEP, Texas El Paso, 87-77, a Saturday afternoon. She only had 27 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 blocks. <laughs> Wow. She's good, folks. That's it? She's you very good. She's She will and Sharp Jim doing this four-game homestand that, that the Huskies will enjoy beginning this Saturday at 4 p.m. versus Arlington Baptist. Wednesday, December 17th, they play TSU. Wildcat, Doc, I'm going to say it right now, especially within the city limits, I believe the HB women are the best team in the city right now. Yeah. That's better than U of H. Better than Rice. I guess that happens a little bit with Prairie beating U of H. Yesterday. And better TSU. Thank you for that as well. I'm going to talk about that. And what that, happened? That was some, you were there. some not good basketball. Um, but, yes, folks, seriously, go see Shadice Steenholt, senior forward. She is a very good player. She was named preseason uh, Southern Conference to the first team. Let's see, the season is up roughly four weeks, four, five weeks old. She's already been named Player of the Week twice in the conference. She is very good. She's very talented. Get a chance to see her. Huskies host Texas Southern December 17th. Should be interesting. So that should be interesting. And, and uh, if Coach Janetta Hayes-Perry listened to these podcasts and heard me say that HBU, in my opinion, is the best team in the city. She has a chance to make a chance. Stand. She sure does. So there you go, Lady Tigers. See you on December 17th, Wednesday. Tip-off is at 6, Wildcat. I'm not sure we can make that game. Let's, we'll see if we can slide by there. I don't know if the Rockets or whatever in town. We can check out the schedule. If I can make it, I'm going to make it up there. I'll get there kind of late because that's a far drive from, from the job. But if I can do there, there's will other way. That's right. So I'll be there at some point. But as Doc referenced, I was at, yes, I was at Half uh, Island Pavilion Sunday afternoon while the r- rumors and about Tony Levine being dismissed. We're starting to kick around. But, yes, I saw U of H lose to Prairie View, 61-56. Cougars had one assist in the first half. One assist? One assist. They made five buckets. Five. One assist. You can go to my Women's Hoops blog and, and read my game story and see post-game interview with uh, Coach Ronald Huey and – Junior guard Alicia Smith for the Cougars. But, yes, they had one assist in the first half. Finished game with six. So you get an idea. Coach Huey said point blank they played selfish. I think six assists in an entire game kind of proves that point. Yeah, one in the first. So, yes, so now the Cougars have lost to Prairie View at home and to Incarnate Word at home. But they did manage to beat Rice last Wednesday evening thanks to a three-point bucket. So, uh, <laughs> 59-58. Hear that, uh, Wildcat? They did beat Rice. 
Yes, and I saw them lose the other night too. And lo and, and lo and behold, uh, in that three point bucket after 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 buzzer two was made by uh, Alexia Sanders. So it helped the Cougs beat Rice fifty nine fifty eight. But the Cougars yesterday they could make shots. Ball movement was poor. But kudos. Now I said Janice Steenholt is a very good player, a player to see. And I said HBU is the I think the best team in the in the city of Houston. Right. I believe Jeanette Jackson at Prairie View may is better overall than Shanice Steenholt overall. Jeanette Jackson, JJ dropped twenty eight on the Cougars yesterday. That's saying something. So uh she almost scored half their points. And at some point, first half, she had more points than the Cougars team did. Wow. So she can play. She can play. We're going to talk about on natural scale in a second. But, gentlemen, <clears throat> this will be mentioned a little short right up in, on the Women's Who's blog after this podcast. It was brought to my attention and has been verified that uh, a young lady was in the stands to see U of H and Prairie View play Sunday afternoon, a transfer. Someone who got her release from Southern Cal was in the building yesterday, and uh, she may become a uh, Houston Cougar. Would be nice. She is five foot six, freshman from California, named Cheyenne Butler. Uh, Southern Cal gave her release within the last couple of weeks, so she. Was brought to my attention was looking at U of H as a new destination for her, my and she was at the game Sunday afternoon. So <clears throat> I'm not, I have no scouting report on her, didn't see her play in high school or things like that. But she's lightning quick. What I read on ESPN's Hoop Girl site, they gave her a grade of 90. She was uh, one of the top point guards, definitely in California, and we'll see if she can compete. If she does. Transfer to U of H, see if she can compete in the American, if the Cougs stay in the American, or if they buy some miracle and end up in the Big 12, you know. Wildcat and I are not sold on five foot six point guards, especially little ones. So if you're that little, you got to be quick. So she's supposedly quick. So her name is Cheyenne Butler. So we'll we'll see if that, that comes about. I think it will happen soon if it does does happen. So uh, I'll have more info, and I may share something else. On my women's who's blog and a blog post about that. Check that out after the po- after the podcast, listeners. Nationally, now, <clears throat> gentlemen, there is some parity in men's college basketball and women's college basketball this weekend. On the women's side, yesterday, hell, Sunday, number seven Louisville lost at home to Kentucky. Women's college hoops now. Right. Number ten Cal. California got got thumped by Kansas. Thumped by Kansas. And then the shocker of all, I think number 12, Nebraska, who had just beat Duke in the ACC Big Ten Challenge a few days ago, I think last Wednesday, last Wednesday or Thursday, lost to Alabama. Remember Alabama? Alabama was in the controversy a few months ago. Yeah. Not letting, letting somebody out transfer. Right. Alabama, I think, is now six, six and three. And I, I got to pull up their schedule because you'd be surprised at some of the teams 
that they have beaten, including Nebraska, as well as some of the teams that they've lost to. Because when I was when I saw the final score yesterday that, that they had beaten Nebraska, first I was shocked. Because Nebraska is a very good basketball team, and I didn't believe I didn't expect big things from Alabama this year with all the players leaving and the controversy over, you know, Coach Curry and the staff and, right. and how they're treating players and all that kind of stuff. So beating Nebraska is a big deal. Okay? Start of the season. They beat FAMU by 16, lost to Duke by 50, 90-40. Lost to Jacksonville State by two points. Beat Kansas on the road. <laughs> beat Kansas. I might have been a tournament because back-to-back because they beat Georgetown the next night. And they beat Temple, so it's probably was a tournament, three games in a row. So they beat Kansas, Georgetown, and Temple. They beat Alabama A&M by 31 points. Then they lost at home to Quinnipiac. The pole? So, the, the school of the pole? So they've lost to Jacksonville State and Quinnipiac. So when they beat Nebraska. Lost by 50. Lost 50, by 50 to Duke. Nothing. You say you hear that losing to Duke by 50? So when I saw that they beat Nebraska by two, 53-51, I was shocked. They're 8-3 on the season. So kudos to Coach Curry and her staff for getting them off the, the mat. Losing to Quinnipiac. I need to follow see if Quinnipiac has a good team or not because that still that blows me away. An SEC team losing to Quinnipiac. But, yes, those are upsets there on Sunday afternoon. As I mentioned earlier, on the men's side, Yale beat Connecticut. Yale beat Connecticut. Boy, I'm, I'm sure the folks in the AC, the, the American conference office were just jaw-dropped when they saw that. And the final score was like in the 40s, wasn't it? It was something just really, really hideous final score there. But yeah, let me see if I can pull up. There were some other upsets on the men's side. So there is parity all over college basketball, and I guess that's a good thing. So Green Bay beat Miami. Oh, oh yeah, and the biggest one. Saturday afternoon, I watched on the Big Ten Network the New Jersey Institute of Technology <laughs> won in Ann Arbor and beat Michigan. I have friends who are diehard Michigan alums. They knew already. KG, I don't want to hear from you. Leave me alone. I know how you are. Leave me alone. Yeah, I know we lost in NJIT. I don't even know who that is. But somehow we lost NJIT. So, and and they they won that game. It wasn't like Michigan gave the game. The New Jersey Institute of Technology, the only independent in college basketball on the Division I level, right. beat Michigan. Wow. Wildcat. Who were formerly of the great... Uh, Great West, Great West along HBU. with along with HBU, and it's another team in transition. Folks, when I saw that, it came up on my on a, a on my CBS uh, a sports uh, college sports alert. I was like, okay, really, really, you know, because it came up uh, uh, alert, sport, uh, uh, upset alert. So, and I saw who it was. I was like, well, let me wait until this is found, then I'll go back and check. And I was on my way to work. I get to work. 
across the ticker. Here it come. It was some folks in the room from that area, and they would just look across their face like, who? What? I said, that team used to come to town on a regular basis and play HBU. I said, that team in transition. I said, they don't only want Division One independent basketball program that's out there right now. I was like, okay, let me go. When I get home, I'll just go back and read, do the play-by-play and, just, and find out where, where the wheels fell off. The three-point Mi- line. Michigan never had an answer for folks putting up shots. You would have thought they'd have, with the coaching staff, the, the minds of the X and O's and all on the sideline, but folks, let me hear you tell me. I'm here to tell you, when it ain't your night, it ain't your night. You can put any kind of defense or chemistry out there on the floor, but if it's not going through the hoop, it ain't going through the hoop. The other thing that you got to look at when you play teams like that, transfers. They don't have a whole lot. I'm still waiting for that, that for my computer to bring up uh, NGIT's uh, schedule this year. I do have uh, Quinnipiac's women's basketball. They've won. They beat Army, 79-64, Hampton, 87-59. Then they also beat Holy Cross, uh, 74-67. They also beat, and then there was Alabama. They beat 73-66. They just beat uh, Cincinnati, 78-65. And at, Fort, at, at Fairfield, and folks, that's a hard place to go in because that team just doesn't, just doesn't give up at home. 67-66. They've got the two losses they've had. It was versus. It was against Harvard, 87-83, and at Notre Dame, 112 to the 52. Folks, Quinnipiac, I'm going to have to rephrase them. They are not just the home of the politi- political polls. they got an actual program going on. <laughs> NJIT. With their win over Michigan, it's three and five. Three and five. They lost to St. John's, a good St. John's basketball team. Beat Maine, ninety to eighty-six. Lost at Albany. Lost to UMass Lowell. Not UMass. Division two. UMass Lowell by two. Lost at Marquette by five. Beat Duquesne by three. Lost to UMass Lowell again. By four, and then beat, and then beat Michigan by two Saturday. Get up for the big dog. So, yes, go figure that the wide, wacky world of college basketball and UMass Lowell, the Riverhawks are six and three. (laughs) The things you learn on these podcast listeners, I tell you. And before their loss to Cornell on Saturday. The Riverhawks had won six in a row, including a win over Boston University in Sacred Heart in Fordham. Damn, that's, that's pretty impressive. Now let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor, THG Agency. Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership, and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business, or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership, and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational 
sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistic solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thanks once again to THG Agency for sponsoring our podcast. Well, while we on the mentions of basketball, I want to jump to the NBA, particular with the issue going back to Ferguson, Eric Garner. I, I can't Eric breathe. Garner in New York, and I can't breathe. It seems like after Cleveland Tamir Rice, Cleveland Tamir Rice definitely want to put that out there with the twelve-year-old. A lot of times people are questioning about athletes in the political framework. We kind of seen it with, go through the Michael Jordan phase after what we seen in the early 60s and 70s where you had um, African-American athletes really standing up and making statements in terms of what was going on politically, socially in America and across the world. Michael Jordan kind of took things back in a different direction as he Kind of famously known in regards to saying that Republicans buy Jordans too. Um, it looks like things have kind of changed. And oddly enough, I thought it was interesting. A lot of this seems to come after two statements that were diametrically opposed. One with Charles Barkley, Brother Charles Barkley, even though I don't necessarily agree with his framework. I think it is important that athletes do speak out uh, that. They shouldn't be from the framework that they should just shut up and play, as some of the people have told them, which I'm glad that they're not doing. No matter if you agree with their opinion or not, they're citizens as well, and many of them come from different areas. So if they choose to make a statement, I think uh, it's incumbent of them to do that, and you take it how you want. But right after Charles Barkley made his comments, you had the letter. I think was brilliantly written in a lot of ways, and some people have misinterpreted, uh, in my opinion, by his TV mate, if you would, in terms of... Uh, Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith. And then I think another one that was significant that made uh, it even more easier for particularly the NBA players to come out was the fact that Magic Johnson said something at the event that was held by the Toronto GM that happens to be from Nigeria, and as in regards to celebrating the anniversary death of South African president and revolutionist Nelson Mandela, uh, in regards to his thoughts there. So I thought that was interesting, and obviously this is on the background of the <clears throat> St. Louis Rams players coming on the field with the hands up, making a gesture. Uh, in regards to their thoughts on what took place, not necessarily indicting individuals one way or the other, but you had a lot of television people that took umbrage to this, and I thought it was good to see uh, Magic Johnson and Kenny Smith make a statement, particularly after Charles Barkley comes out and makes this statement. You have Stephen A. Smith kind of lining himself in a lot of ways with Charles Barkley. <coughs> with that... By bringing that up, because <clears throat> yesterday you've seen the issue, or you've seen the fact that Rose, Rose, 
of the Chicago Bulls wore, wore his shirt. Derrick Rose, yep. And then you had the fact also uh, Reggie Bush uh, wore a shirt as well as he wore warm-up for the Detroit Lions. And today you have the fact that LeBron and Irving, as well as some Brooklyn Nets, uh, Deron Williams, uh, Kevin Garnett wore shirts, black shirts, I Can't Breathe. They were looking for ways to make a statement, particularly after Derrick Rose made a statement supporting that he did that. And so you had Jared Jack, um, who heard that they were looking for some shirts. They were out of town, so he provided the shirts so they could make a statement. And uh, I think it's good that athletes uh, voice their opinions in a lot of ways, particularly on when they see things that affect in particular neighborhoods that they have grown up in or at least uh, understand a lot of ways that they make a statement in their own way. So um, obviously I'm in line with a lot of their thoughts. One quote I will say about LeBron James, he stated, for those that want to go back and read it later, they did have shirts that said, I can't breathe, that were black, written in white in the front. And James stated, quote, it's not a Cavs thing, end quote. Stating later, quote, it's a worldly thing. And he thought it was important uh, that he made a stance in saying his main thoughts was the fact that we can do better. And so this is his way of letting uh, the world know that they should. And he supports that we start doing better when we look at things that happen in our, our community. He said it's a way that he continues to talk out. Uh, power social media allows him to have that platform. So, again, kudos for these athletes um, that have made it out. In a lot of ways, you couldn't necessarily blame them if they chose not to speak out because of all the contractual obligations they have and the fact that they are financially in a position oftentimes where these things don't directly affect them, even though there was an African-American CEO uh, who may not be famous from that standpoint, but obviously as a CEO financially has put itself in a position uh, that he, you would think that he wouldn't necessarily experience these things. He came out also, which I thought was important, from the business perspective of, of people of color, particularly African-Americans, and say that uh, although he has had many successes in his life, and as a CEO, he's felt this thing just recently, uh, praying for his kids that they would come home safely and that he's had to have that tough conversations that a lot of people that are not minorities, particularly European-Americans, uh, cannot quite relate to it and are actually surprised when they hear the fact that many people of color, particularly African-Americans, have had that difficult conversation with a child to say, yes, you have a right uh, to do certain things, but you need to be aware that that individual has a badge, and it's more important that you come home to me, so you need to uh, listen. And even if you think uh, they're being disrespectful or not, engaging in a law properly properly that you need to listen and, and be mindful that they have the ability in a lot of ways to uh, legally do things for you and ultimately as we see now really in your life and in such a way it doesn't matter at that point what the grand jury does whether we agree with it or not the fact is that the individual in these particular cases children have lost their lives so I wanted to make sure that uh, we put that out there. Uh, it's important that we not only talk about 
things from a sporting framework, but we're not obviously oblivious to what goes on around us from social standpoints. And so I will definitely talk about it as a group, and I appreciate y'all giving me the voice to do that. Not a problem, Doc. Not a problem. And I'm glad you did, and because um, that's that's part of what we we do. And I think it's safe to say that the three of us have had uh, run-ins or issues with uh, law enforcement in our in our lifetime. I think that's very safe to say. Yeah. Even though we none of us have ever discussed it one-on-one privately, but I I feel safe in saying that. I know I have. Yeah, I have. And yep. I'm, so you have to. Yeah. Well. So there we go. Yeah. I want to re- read this comment from Commissioner Adam Silver. Quote, I respect Derek Rose and all of our players for voicing their personal views on important issues, but my preference would be for players to abide by our on-court attire rules, end quote. That's what Silver told Yahoo Sports in an email this evening. And I agree with that from a perspective of a businessman, and I think he said it perfectly, that he respects their views, uh, deals with their statements, but they have rules within a business engagement. And it's about protecting the brand and protecting the platform of the NBA because there's a lot of people that have frankly said they want you to shut up and play. But I think at some point it's even worth the fine, unfortunately, which would put Silva in an ugly position to have to do that. But uh, if he feels the need to do that, I think he does. And if it continues, he may uh, have to do that. But at this platform, I think for the athletes at some point, uh, you need to feel strong enough in your conviction uh, that uh, if this is the way for you to make a statement where you think the world can see because you have that platform, I think it's important to do that. We're going to wrap it up talking about women's college basketball. We're not, we're not done, but I'm gonna, I said I'm going to wrap it up. Talking women, women's college basketball. Um, this past Saturday, after the U of H Cougs lost to Cincinnati by 7 on ESPN, UConn and Notre Dame women's basketball was on TV, and and I was looking forward to the game until I heard that Manville High School Brianna Turner injured her shoulder in Wednesday's butt whooping. Notre Dame thumped Maryland, and that Brianna wasn't going to play in Saturday's game between Notre Dame and Connecticut, and her absence was felt immensely as UConn's front court. Morgan Tuck, Kia Stokes, and Brianna Stewart obliterated Notre Dame's front court and helped the Huskies erase, erase, and quickly erase a 28-18 deficit led by eight at halftime after they finished the first half with a 22-4 run. They led by as much as 27 points in the second half, one on the road. 76-58 76-58 over the Huskies to move to back up to number two in the rankings as South Carolina. In one poll, they were number one. one poll, they weren't. Now they're number one in both polls after their one-point thrilling, one-point victory over Duke on Sunday afternoon. They escaped. They sure did. They they survived. They escaped. Age Wilson with the putback. Freshman. Age Wilson with a putback victory. Helped them in, win that game by one point. But Morgan Tuck, UConn's Morgan Tuck, who didn't play last year due to injuries for the Huskies. First Notre Dame. Uh she she, she did all right, Doc. She had uh, twenty five points. Okay. You know, and 
Hope she gets well. Nine rebounds. She was named uh, the National Player of the Week yeah. for women's college basketball for her performance. And Kia Stokes in the game, I think she had 8,000 rebounds and 500 blocks as she just, with it, with anything Brianna Stewart didn't get or Morgan Tuck didn't get, Kia Stokes got. So, as Wildcat has said and said earlier in the podcast, the train is back on the track. After their road loss to Stanford, they are playing much more aggressive on defense with some more full-court pressure and things like that. And, and, I, and oh, we talked about this South Florida. South Florida lost yesterday. And Wildcat, if you can pick pick it up, I forgot who they lost to. I think it was – I need. I don't want to misspeak. I'll find it in a second. But uh, kind of disappointing, you know. For, for, they've lost some games that they probably – some folks may think they shouldn't have lost. But especially, you know, they're supposed to be the second best team in the conference and supposed to get that second bid from the American in the NCAA tournament. But just real quick, UConn scored 76 points versus Notre Dame. They got 12 from their bench. 12. <laughs> Kalina Mosqueda Lewis, three-point threat, best three-point shooter in college basketball, only scored 12. Only made two threes. But the front court, Kia Stokes only scored six points. Off the bench now in 24 minutes at 18 rebounds and four block shots in 24 minutes. Wow. Morgan Tuck, 25 and 9. Brianna Stewart, 15 and 9. So your, the front court for the Huskies combined for 46 points and 36 rebounds. So, yep, that's pretty good. And that's why they dominated Notre Dame. And UConn is, once again, UConn. And I think it's been a, it's a shame that the last two, two times that Notre Dame and UConn have played, injuries to key players from Notre Dame has hurt those matchups. Happened in the Final Four uh, this past season. Happened again this, on Saturday afternoon. But it is what it is. You play with what you got. Players step up. That's what the Rockets are doing on the NBA level. You got absolutely you got without Dwight, without Terrence Jones for a little while, without Patrick Beverly, who came up huge Saturday in the win over Phoenix, 19 points off the bench. Dwight James Harden dealing with back issues. He muddled through. He had 12 rebounds. The Rockets are 16 and four and finding ways to win. And the games are now on TV locally, and fans still aren't selling out the, selling out the arena. I don't care what they say, what they announce. But there are plenty of empty seats inside that building. You know, football is king. We all know it. And especially now, the Texans are 7-6, and six, clinging to playoff life. J.J. Watt is you know, people are pushing for him to be MVP of the NFL. He won't be. but he, you know, Quarterback league, not his know. fault. So, I mean, I'm not sure that he should be MVP, but I definitely can understand he's in the conversation. As we know, this is a quarterback league, so those that are talking about it are entertaining themselves and wasting their time. Well, okay, what you got to say? Well, let's see now here. First of all, folks, Media Day did not, you know, mention you better have a player-for-player matchup on the floor and on the bench. That's not my fault if you don't. Because when you think about Fouling and and trying to put people in in on the bench and you know bumping up against them, you better be ready to answer that bell when that bell tolls. And some folks just can't answer the bell. And Doc, once again, this past weekend they showed why 
two trophies sit in the American Athletic Conference. Real quick, real quick. Uh, South Florida lost to St. John Sunday afternoon at home, 55-52. So their three losses for USF. They are not the bad teams. They lost to number nine, Maryland, by 18. And then Kentucky by four. And St. John's by three. So those three teams that, that they lost to are, are tournament teams. Right. But, you know, you still got to be – You got to get one. Got to win them. So. You got to get some. With that, before I close out on my side, we are back in the state of Texas. Light a note of what I was talk, talking about earlier. Let's get into some of this high school. We're at the Final Four. So this is where it gets really interesting. Big-time programs. We have Allen, Greater Dallas. Yep. Kingpin. Suburban school there against Skyline in the city school. Now, that's going to be interesting. going to be interesting. Because Skyline has a great deal of talent. Yep. Sending a lot of Division One players. They can, they can stop people. Disappointed a, a year ago when they really thought they should be in a position to win a championship. Yep. Uh, thought they had a couple of bad calls go their way. Well, they're back in the business to see if they can get it done this year. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to watch. Cypress Ranch, Greater Houston. Judson, San Antonio, they're back in the business. The Rockets. That is Division One on the 6A side. On the Division Two on the 6A side, you have Cedar Hill, Dallas against Westfield. Houston should be an interesting matchup. Be- Cedar Hill did the upset last year against Katie in terms of winning that championship. Right. Big time game from Katie Gray to Houston against Steele. You know, I t- That's a t- serious t- program there. That's true. But – are you, are you talking about Sabalo Steel or, 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 or Katie that's got a serious program? Both of them. Well, okay now, because I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the NRG Stadium. That's right here in Houston. Oh, yeah. That's those that want to get out there and see some good, as you talk about basketball, this is another game. Yeah. If you want to see some talent now, on the field, good time program. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a program that, that folks should, you know, as much as they scream and holler, that the school district has figured it out as far as how many schools they need in that district to stay vulnerable and stay relevant on a year-in and year-out basis. Yeah, that could be good or bad, depending on how you take it. Well, <laughs> on, on, it, But I'll leave it at that. We don't have to do Okay, all right. Because uh, I think your point is relevant that they have done it. But the fact is, uh, when we look at the new 5A division, mm-hmm. Final Four there, Alito, yeah. Tyler, that game is Mesquite, Hamby Stadium, uh, Temple, and Vandergriff. Is the other 5A game there on the Division One side. Uh, Division Two side there at the 5A level. Yeah, Tilo versus Ennis, Crosby, and Cedar Park. In regards to what you see going on at that level, let's give some love to the 4A division in regards to the final four teams there. I'll jump into it and give it to you, which is Graham Argle. I said Levito, uh, Alado, excuse me, Navasota and Liberty Hill on the other side of the bracket in regards to the other division. Selena and Gilmore, West Orange Stark. Seton is going to give you some big time games as you get it. I hadn't heard from them in a while. That's down in the Golden Triangle, folks, yeah, for folks you know, that don't know. When they get to rolling, if they can get it done. Dipping down in 3A, Shallow Water, Manello, uh, Cameron Yo, Edna. Cameron Yo. And then Yo, on the other side, Sonora, Wascom, Newton, Blanco, in terms of programs getting it there. West as Texas. we drop down 2A, yeah, you know West Texas is always going to be in the business. Oh, yeah. Uh, showing some love to smaller schools at the 2A level as they're getting it done. Final four, Canadian Mart 
right out of that Central Texas yeah. area there. Oh, yeah. Centerville and Mason. Really? And the other division there is Seagraves, Albany, Tijuana, and Bremont. Last one I'll give you is 1A in regards to what was formerly known as six-man football. Back in the business there getting Home it done. of a famous coach here in the, in the area. That would be. Valley, Will, uh, May versus Bloom of the 1A six-man football level. And then in the other division is you had Groom over Lorraine, 7254. Uh, Brock Morton over Calvert, 7672. So the championship game at A&T Stadium will be Groom versus Brock Morton. And to give you a rundown in terms of the final four, obviously at the six-man level, you're down to the championship game, the final two. Now, getting back to the uh, home of home of the programs, the six-man programs, Jack Party. Oh yeah. You know, oh, folks yeah. talk about you know when 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 people start asking me about football here in the south, especially here in the state of Texas, I said, well, we actually have six-man six-man football that that's relevant. Now, when you mention that around other folks and all up in the Midwest and you know, Utah and Idaho and Montana, Nebraska, they look at you strange like, but they, you know, they, that's pretty strong. I said, bring them down to Texas just one time. <laughs> I said, they'll find out what six man football really all about. So, six man, give me your final part of that. Allen Skyline, who you going with? You I'm going to do all of them. Just do the Allen. Uh, Cypress, Ranch, Judson, who you got? I'm going to Cy Ranch. And then, obviously, in the other division, Cedar Hill, Westfield. I'm going with uh, Cedar Hill. Katie and Steele. I'm going with Katie. I'll go with Katie. I'll go with Cedar Hill. I'll go with Skyline. And then I'll go with Cypress Ranch. And lastly but not least, Jerome Howard was named 2014 SWAC Defensive Player of the Year from Prairie View A&M University, senior linebacker. I'm glad you said that. And, now, and I'm going to tell you, folks, that's, that's getting some things done. Yeah. Came a long way. Marquette, you you about to leave folks without telling them how they can find you, say? Well, let's see. After I did enough uh, uh, enlightenment on uh, well enough enlightenment on Saturday at the uh, doc, at the uh, in, uh, HB, HABJ uh, ministry program that was a breakfast that was here held on here on the campus of Texas Southern University. Um, had a good time. That was good. Um, so a lot of topics were. Uh, talked about, branded about. Uh, the one thing that uh, the uh, youngsters, uh, young students, now were, were getting enlightened about: don't lie for dead air when you when you're in a, in a cattle call. Be careful of your send button because everybody checks it out. Make a uh, make time to when you're in an environment like that to make connections. They're always good, and while you're in college. Stay in, in, in touch with folks that can help you move up with a mobile. I am Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., J.L. Woodley 1, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, AKSV, The CSR, The College Sports Report, YouTube, and Blogger. Doc, who are you? How can folks find you? Dr. Nyala Cavill, Professor of Sport Management. Host television show, CEO, president of THG Agency, the Sport Marketing and Management Group. We do information on statistical analysis and data analysis as well. 
But you can find me talking business or sports, giving you updates on HBCU sports as well at Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-E-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-E-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Also, you can catch me on every Tuesday on KCUHradio.com from 7 to 8 o'clock with Inside HBCU Sports Lab. That's Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab, a radio show about the HBCU diaspora, cultural identity in regards to sports and sports business, particularly looking at HBCUs with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, and Ryan McGinty. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, www.houstonroundballreview.com, as well as www.thehrr.com. Catch me on Twitter at thehrreview. Instagram, Instagram, Houston Round Ball Review. Got the YouTube channel. You can check out the videos, U of H postgame video, Texas A&M postgame video, Houston Rockets, Kevin McHale at Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube. You can catch us, our Facebook page, the KG, Fifthwood Wildcat and Doc Facebook page, podcast on Facebook. Please check that out. Please add comments. We have some things that were discussed. In previous podcasts that are linked to articles, such as the Big 12, folks, I'm not bragging on us, but, you know, we have been known to get things right in these podcasts. So just check us out, spread the word. Podcasts available on iTunes, on SoundCloud.com. My colleagues are spreading their wings on SoundCloud.com as, as we branch out as well. Sponsors, we're here for you. So get in touch with each of us about how to become sponsors of the podcast. As always, thanks to THG Agency for their support. 2015 is uh, almost here. Three of us are making plans for the Women's Final Four in Tampa. Trust and believe we're going to be there. If the Lord says the same, we'll be there in April for that. Lastly, I forgot to mention this. I referenced this earlier in the podcast, but the Baylor Bears football non-conference schedule, 2015. SMU, Lamar and Rice. 2016, Northwestern State, SMU and Rice. 2017, Liberty, UTSA, and Duke. And right now, 2018, UTSA and Duke. Not necessarily murderer's row in any of those non-conference schedules for the next four years for Art Browse and the Baylor Bears. Even if you're going to do it on the private schedule, get Miami on the schedule, get Stanford on the schedule, USC on the schedule. It can be done if you want to get it done. That's all we're saying. As always, listeners, thank you for your support. This podcast has been a long one. It's been an informative one, as they always are, as we always try to deliver it to you. Thank you for your retweets. Thank you for sharing the links. Thank you for sharing the uh, homepage of the podcast. We're getting a lot of likes and shares on that page. Of, you can see on HoustonRombarView.com's uh, website. So. Thank you for that. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your critiques. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your suggestions. We're here for you. I'm going to get these two guys to start uh, betting some stakes on some uh, college football playoff action, maybe some basketball games, whatever. We'll do something. Got to get some stakes in there as we prepare for two years from now when TSU beats HBU in football and Wildcat pays up (laughs) 10 stakes. 
So, uh, as always, I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.